You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, give it up for the kids. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and then it, oftentimes people say, happy Mother's Day to you. And I'm like, nope, not a mom. But uh, happy Mother's Day to you, Mom. So glad that you're with us today. Of those of you guys that are in the room, perhaps for the first time, it's going to be a great service. We're going to have a great time. So glad, glad you guys are all here today. So um, a couple of things that I'm excited about, just want to uh, let you know uh, that's coming up. Next week, I'm jumping back into the Gospel of John. I'm teaching in the Gospel of John and excited to get back into that series. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of John. The series name is called Teach Me. And the idea is that you're just asking uh, God's Word to teach you. Um, and, and so we're looking at the ministry of Jesus and His teaching ministry specifically. So that's jumping, starting back next week. Also, just mark your calendars. I understand Mother's Day is the time when sometimes um, folks that don't get to make it to a church very often make it to church. And so I'm glad you're here. Uh, starting up this summer, we're launching Thursday night services. So this is a ton of fun. Uh, we're starting at 6.30 at night. And this is for all the guys and the gals that are, maybe they're working or maybe they're playing out on the boat, at the cabin, hunting, fishing, or whatever on the weekend. So we're uh, launching our preview services um, August 17th. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Mark your calendars for that. Love to have you a part. Okay, let me pray for us and we're going to get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We pray that you would use this time to encourage and enlighten us and help us to move forward in our faith. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, I almost forgot one of the most important parts of the service today. Um, We have a baby dedication. So this is where you can celebrate that. Let's clap. So uh, families, if you'll get ready in just a minute, I'm going to invite you up. Brett and Amber um, Beiser is their name. So I think we got a picture of the family. I want to share with you a little bit about baby dedications just for a moment. The Bible doesn't specifically say, like, have a baby dedication or, uh, or as a formal ceremony or practice, but it does provide the importance of the idea of dedicating a child to the Lord. And so specifically, I think in 1 Samuel chapter 1, there's a storyline. The passage tells us that the mom, Hannah, um, dedicates her son Samuel, brings him into the temple, and it really to honor the Lord with that child. And so, and even in Luke chapter 2, the passage tells us the story of the presentation of baby Jesus at the temple. Um, when he was there, dedicated to God according to the Jewish custom about at the 40th day. And so um, the book of Proverbs tells us that we're to uh, in- encourage his parents is to train up a child in the way they should go. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate a child to the Lord. He's here in our church. And so I want to invite the family up, Brett and Amber, if you guys would join us. Let's see. Okay, they're, they're making their way. And then they've, here's, I'm going to show you a picture of their little baby, Daniel. Uh, I know, it's without fail. I told, I, told, I told the pro presenter guys, I was like, bring the baby on the second slide, you know. Uh, so come on up, guys. And then if you guys will stand right here, because we've got online viewers that want to see the child. So this is so cool. So um, Brett and Amber, it's an honor to have you guys a part of the church. You have a beautiful little boy, Daniel Bear. He is three, 
just a little o- little over three months old. Just about. Just about three months old. Well, he looks like a healthy young boy. And the Bible verse that you guys have is Jeremiah 29, 11. And so um, the Bible verse, I've asked the family to pick out a Bible verse that's meaningful to them. That kind of like is their prayer. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 is the verse. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that is an awesome passage. So um, church as a family, church family, um, this family right here, Brett and Amber have decided to raise their kiddo to love Jesus and live for Jesus. And so together as a church, what we're doing is coming together in agreement and saying amen. Like that's a great noble thing. And we want to support them, encourage them um, to do that. So Brett and Amber, I want to pray for you. And then church family, will you bow your head with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Brett and Amber and uh, their marriage and their incredible uh, invitation that you've extended to them into parenting. Um, What a great and noble, sacred task of shaping the soul of an individual for generations to come. We pray for little Daniel that all the days of his life that he would trust in you, that he would learn from his dad and his mom as to what it means to follow after you and live for you. We, we together as a church pray for the blessing in their marriage and that their family would be built up. And we pray for little Daniel that he would trust in you too. In Christ's name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give them a big celebration, round of applause. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at the passage in uh, Timoth- and Timothy is where we're going to be, but I, I need to back up and uh, walk you through Acts uh, just for a moment. Uh, the title of the message today is called The Legacy of Eunice, uh, How a Mother's Sincere Faith Shaped a, a, a Leader, a World-Class Leader. And so you may have never heard of the name of Eunice, but Eunice is a, is a, is a mother uh, who played a real critical role She's a believer, and she influences her son so much so um, that his faith becomes so dynamic that he will go on to live his entire life uh, for Jesus Christ and will end up pastoring a church and end up dying a martyr's death proclaiming the name of Jesus. Incredible worldwide level leader. Um, Today, I want to introduce you to the the person uh, of Timothy. And Timothy is a man that will be a protege of the Apostle Paul. And before I get to Timothy, I want to tell you about Timothy's mom and dad. Um, so let's look. Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it tells us it's a book on, in your Bible in the New Testament about the history of the church. The Apostle Paul is mentioned here. And Paul is a church planter. I'll tell you more about him in a few minutes. But he's a church planter, and he writes and says, and it, or Luke records for us, that Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and that would be now modern-day Turkey area. He says a disciple was there named Timothy. Uh, he's the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. There's a couple of observations in this passage that I want to point out to you as we start to look at Timothy's mom. 
Um, first of all, it says that she was a Jewish woman who was a, help me out, a, she's a believer. She's a believer in what? She's a believer in Jesus Christ. She's a believer in Paul's message. Uh, she's a believer. There's more written about her that we're going to explore. Uh, and I would argue that her faith shaped an incredible leader. Um, but here's a couple of things also to note. Um, we know in Scripture that Timothy is a young man who will end up being kind of mentored by the Apostle Paul. But look what the Bible says, that Paul, when he came, there was a disciple there. So Timothy is already a believer in Jesus Christ prior to ever meeting the Apostle Paul. Well, how did he become a believer? Uh, well, Timothy becomes a believer. He's a disciple because his mom, his mom was a believer. How many of you would say that you could attribute a lot of your faith connection to God to your mom? Raise your hand. There you go, moms. Look around. <laughs> Good job. Um, yeah, it's, it's true. And how many of you could trace your faith roots back to your grandmother? Raise your hand. God uses um, oftentimes women, um, I think they're more spiritually receptive oftentimes than men. That's why at this church, we work really hard to reach men because we know they're not as easy to reach. The women are far more receptive. I mean, even if you look at Jesus's disciples, when all sorts of trouble hit after the crucifixion, all the men ran away. And guess who was there? It was the women that were there. Um, God uses this woman, this Jewish woman, who was a believer to do an incredible work. There's something else you need to know about Timothy, though. Timothy's mom was a Jew, but his dad was a Gentile or a Greek. That makes Timothy biracial. Back then, biracial was kind of an odd, or odd thing, as, and he would have stood out. But also what was a little challenging for Timothy as a young boy is that his dad wasn't really a spiritual leader. His dad was kind of checked out. Mom was the spiritual influencer, but dad wasn't. The Bible doesn't say, give us a lot of details, but what it does mention about Timothy's father is that he was a Greek. Most of the Greeks were definitely uh, not practicing the Jewish faith, nor were they practicing the new faith of Christianity. So that's a little bit about um, the, Timothy's mom and dad. When I look back at church history and think about uh, different individuals that have been influenced by a Christian mother, but not a father, uh, I'm pretty astonished. There's a bunch, but I'll just read you a few. Uh, John Newton, he's the English Anglican clergyman, and he was the hymn writer. He wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, that song that we all sing, Amazing Grace. He was raised by a mother who was a devout Christian. She had a very strong faith. But the dad was a sea captain, not a believer at all. Or I think of Mother Teresa. She was a Catholic nun and a missionary who dedicated her whole life to serving the poor in India and sick. She did not have a Christian father. Her, her father was a, a, a businessman, not very religious at all. Or I think of Martin Luther, the famous church reformer, the German theologian, um, he was a leader of the Protestant Reformation. He didn't have a Christian father. His father was a successful businessman, but had no uh, affiliation or connection to Christianity at all. Um, those are just a few examples of, of leaders who didn't really have that spiritual father in their life or that biological father leading, but God was still at work in their life tremendously. And I think sometimes... Um, 
we can think that oftentimes that if you don't have a, a biological father in your life, then the family could be doomed of some sorts or second class. But God can do extraordinary work no matter what the family dynamics are. And in Timothy's life, he's got an unbelieving father, but a believing mom. And God's going to do something incredible in Timothy's life. Um, let's look at the legacy of what I'm calling a sincere faith, the legacy of mom. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.5, it's a letter to Timothy, and he writes this. He's saying, he's writing to Timothy who's put in charge of a church. Now Timothy's grown up, he's living out his faith, he's got responsibility, and he says this. He says, Paul writes, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, meaning Timothy's, sincere faith. It was a faith that dwelt first in your grandma, your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm thinking of you, Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincerity. Have you ever been around somebody before that they had just a genuine, sincere faith, and you're just like, that's good to be around? These people are authentic. They're not fake. They're not hypocrites. They're not duplicitous. They just seem genuine and authentic. That's Timothy. And where did it start? It started with grandma. I don't know if you got a cool grandma or not, or if you did have a cool grandma or not, but I had a great grandmother, a great, not, not uh, yes, I had a great grandmother, but I had a very cool grandmother. She smoked like a chain smoker, like crazy. We would go from Dallas to Little Rock and she would tailgate drift those semis. Do you remember back in the day when everybody was trying to drift on those semis? My grandma would be like driving a four-cylinder and she'd be like, watch this. <laughs> and, and we'd be just, she'd let off her foot off the gas and we're just like coasting and chain smoking the whole way. And my mom was always like, why are you doing this? So, you know, you're going to get the kids killed. And she's like, oh, I'll be quiet. One time I had a tick bite. One time I had a tick on me. If you, don't, if you don't know what a tick is, you need to go to Arkansas. But one time I had a tick on me, and my grandmother was a smoker. She wasn't abusive, but she was pretty hardcore. Um, she got her cigarette out, and she's like, I'm going to burn this tick out of you, boy. She burned me with a cigarette. And I'm like, today you call that child abuse, and somebody would be going to jail. Um, but my grandma, she had a faith in, in Jesus Christ, and my grandma really ministered to our family. And I love my grandmother. My grandmother loved the Lord. My grandmother, um, she, she loved animals. And then my mom loved the Lord, and my mom loved animals. And today, I would say, I love the Lord, and I love animals. Um, my grandmother was sincere in her faith. My mom was sincere in her faith. I would like to think I'm sincere in my faith. Moms, you can make a mark. Grandma, you can make a mark. And it really does make an impact. What is a sincere faith? A sincere faith is a faith that's free of duplicity. It's free of hypocrisy, fakeness, falseness, and shallowness. It's a, a deep, genuine kind of authentic faith. It's free from pretending and performance. It's a faith that's tested, tried, and comforted and covered by God's grace. It's a faith that's figured it out. It's not about pleasing people. It's about resting in God's grace, knowing you are accepted, you're loved by God for who you are, and this frees you up to be sincere. Amen? That's a sincere faith. 
So there's a lesson here. You don't have to be a mom to get a message out of this today. There's a lesson for us all. What are we after at this church? We're after a sincere faith. That, that's what we're after. And how does sincerity come? It comes with an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes with realizing that you need help. And I think oftentimes the women are more apt to acknowledge they need help and the men are jacked up too much on the pride. And so Eunice is that example for you and me for a sincere faith. Here's what the Apostle Paul says again. Look at this, 2 Timothy 1.5. Like, this is so good. Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So now that sincere faith, it's, it's Timothy's. But then again, he says, it's a faith. It dwelt first in your grandmother. And then it was in your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. Like, that's good stuff, isn't it? Like, that's what you want. You want to be passing on that faith, that contagious authenticity to the next generation. Um, but you know what's really cool about the storyline of Timothy and Eunice is, despite not having a spiritual leader as a father, some man steps in. And Eunice isn't against it. I think Eunice is totally for it. This man is the Apostle Paul. It's the spiritual father. Philippians 2.22, the Apostle Paul writes this to a church in Philippi. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth and how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy served with the Apostle Paul in the gospel. Let me remind you who the Apostle Paul is. He's pretty incredible. Uh, the Apostle Paul was also known as Saul of Tarsus. Uh, he was a, a born in Tarsus, the city which is now Turkey in the first century AD. He was originally a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians. And then on the road to Damascus, while he's got legal documents to go arrest Christians, he encounters Jesus Christ in his whole life is turned upside down. He becomes one of the most influential leaders in, in the Christian church. He plants churches. He writes Bible. So when you're reading in the New Testament, you can't get around the Apostle Paul. He's all throughout the Scriptures. He wrote Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and a lot more. He had numerous challenges, including imprisonment, beating, shipwrecks. This guy went through everything. He was a man's man, a leader's of leaders. Um, he played a crucial role in the spread of Christianity, and he picks one guy to be his closest protege, and that guy is Timothy, and he calls him like a son. I don't know what that conversation would be like, but can you imagine? Um, hey, Timothy, I'm going to be out planting churches and doing all sorts of missionary journeys. I'm traveling throughout Europe, throughout the Roman Empire. We're going to use the Roman road. We've got a couple ships to jump on. Uh, we're continuing in the work. We're seeing miracles happen. Thousands of people are gathering. I need you to come with me. Timothy's thinking, I don't know about that. I, Timothy didn't grow up a, a, a daddy's boy. Timothy grew up mama's boy. Um, Timothy struggled with fear. The, Paul, every time he writes to Timothy, he tells him like, quit being afraid. Don't have a spirit of fear, but have one of power and love and confidence and courage. Uh, 
Paul served as a spiritual father. Um, moms, maybe you're a single mom. Guess what you need? You need a spiritual father for your boy. You don't have to be uh, uh, something incredibly special. You just need to be a faithful man to fill the gap. And that's what Paul does. He treats uh, this young protege like a son in the faith, and they serve together. Here's what 1 Corinthians 4.17 says. This is why I sent you Timothy. In other words, he's, he's my boy. Watch this. My beloved, my faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. I mean, Paul's pretty confident. He's saying, I'm sending you Timothy to remind you of the way I do things. And as I teach them everywhere in the church, Timothy is that ambassador. He's an extension of the Apostle Paul's teaching. Uh, Timothy thought a lot of, of the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul thought a lot of Timothy. Here's the father's instruction, this spiritual father, uh, the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says to Timothy at the close of this letter called uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. He writes this, but as for you, and he's speaking to Timothy, he says, continue in what you've learned and, I ha and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What's he talking about? He's talking about there needs to be a continuation, Timothy, of whatever you learn from your grandmother, whatever you learn from your mom, that sincerity of faith, you need to continue in that because that is contagious. And what's needed right now in our generation more than anything is authenticity. Uh, quit with the performing, quit with the pretending. Where are the real Christians? Where are the real believers that live this thing out called the Christian life? And Paul's saying, continue in that. Earlier, he had written this phrase. Look at it, 2 Timothy 1.5. He says, I'm reminded again of your sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you. The Apostle Paul used Timothy as a laborer, and he's reminding him. Sometimes uh, folks need reminding, and Apostle Paul was reminded of the sincerity of faith. Timothy will go on to serve in a, as an incredible leader. He partners with the Apostle Paul in missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, he offers leadership as Timothy grows in his age and maturity. The Apostle Paul puts him in charge of a church in Ephesus. Church history says that he'd go on to pastor that church until after the death and execution of Paul. And then Timothy, instead of running and hiding like a coward, will kind of rise up and protect the church and end up, according to church history, as die a martyr's death. Either he was beaten to death or stoned to death. And this is Timothy, the little mama's boy. But because of the faith of grandma and because of the faith of mom, that was fanned into flame. And then another man, a spiritual father, came along and said, I'll call that up out of you. I'll, I'll help strengthen you. And then he's put in charge to do incredible works. He probably assisted the Apostle Paul in writing and teaching. Um, the, uh, Timothy didn't write any books of the Bible, but he assisted the Apostle Paul in it. Uh, and he served as an extension and as ambassador of the Apostle Paul. So here's the question that I want you to wrestle with in our closing time together, is asking the question is, is how can we cultivate this sincere faith? Like, 
Who wants to be fake? Who wants to be a duplicitous? Who wants to be a phony? Nobody. What is our desire? Our desire is a genuine, authentic faith. So the question is, is how do you cultivate a sincere faith? Well, looking at the life of Eunice and walking through what we've done, I've got three different ways I think that can help you grow in a sincerity of faith. Number one, I would encourage you, you're going to nourish your faith by studying the Scriptures. You nourish your faith by studying the Scriptures. Uh, Eunice is the example. Um, she uh, upheld those sacred writings. The Apostle Paul wrote earlier, he said, you've been acquainted since a child with the sacred writings. It would have been very customary for a Jewish woman to teach her kids the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible and instruct them on a daily basis. And so I would encourage you as a, as a mother uh, or as a father as anybody that uh, wants to make a difference in the next generation, if you want that sincerity of faith, you have to study it for yourself. I meet a lot of people from time to time, they'll have a baby and then they'll come to church um, or a major life crisis will hit and then they'll come to church. And I always tell people, here's what you want to do. You want to learn how to grow in God's word for yourself. It has incredible impact on your life. It'll strengthen you and help you. Let me give you some research about studying the Bible and how it's just good for you. According to research, if you study the Bible, just reading it and asking questions and learning, according to uh, a journal of religion and health, uh, people who read the Bible regularly, they report in pretty significant uh, forms and, and numbers, less anxiety and depression than those who did not. You want less stress? Read God's Word. Um, you want a better mental health in your life? Read God's Word. Additionally, um, there's a report and research of increased sense of purpose in engaging the Scripture, understanding direction for life. I say this all the time at our, uh, with our church family, is this, is that you, you make better decisions when you're in God's Word more. Because when you have God's Word, you don't need somebody else's Word, you got God's Word. When you study the scriptures, you can clarify your convictions, clarify your values, and you can more easily determine what is right and wrong and move from there. In fact, Psalms 119.105, here's what it says. Psalms 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Um, we need light. We need direction. How do you nurture a genuine, sincere faith? You, you let the scriptures saturate your life. It becomes yours. It is yours, and it gives you guidance in everywhere you go. For years, I've served as a, a mountaineer guide and gone into, um, we'll hike through the night. Sometimes we would hike early in the morning and uh, to summit a mountain, and it would still be dark. You'd wake everybody up before the sunrise, and you're at 10,000 feet or 11,000 feet and make that final push to 14,000, and we'd have nothing but headlamps. And every step really counted, and you needed that light. I think God's Word is like that light in your life. Some of you are going through incredible, intense challenges and decisions that you have to make, but God's Word is that light over your life. You need guidance and direction over your life. God's Word is that light over your life. And then when you rely on God's Word and see His blessing, here's what happens. You grow in your confidence, because you see it worked, I'm going to keep doing it. Amen? 
When you see something works, you keep doing it over and over again. Number two, I would challenge you, invest your faith into others. This is what Eunice did. This is what Lois did, perhaps to her daughter, Eunice. And this is what the grandmother and the mother did with young Timothy as they invested their life into that young boy. Um, I want to encourage you to invest your life into others. Um, this could look like a number of different things. It could be specifically for those of you that are moms, the greatest investment you're ever going to make in people is um, specifically younger people, meaning little ones would be your kids. Um, at this church, we teach the idea you always put God first, you put your marriage second, and then you put your kids third. But that, those kids, um, they need to see an authentic faith. That's why I put studying the scriptures ahead of this. Because here's what happens. If you put in your home the child as the center of the home, which is the temptation of everybody, um, and not Jesus in front of the home, then guess what happens when the kid leaves? You don't have a home. But when Jesus Christ is the center of your home, everything comes to that. And then that child is a better uh, child because he's got a loving family that's committed to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to invest your faith into others. Some of you moms might need to pick up the phone and call a loved one. Some of you might just need to share with them more about what Christ is doing in your life. Some of you men in the room, you need to know this principle is for all of us that when we invest our faith into others, it's having a ripple effect in the next generation. Some of you that are teenagers and younger, you might not think that you don't have an influence. Timothy is your model. He's a very young man. Paul told Timothy, he said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But set for them an example. Even if you're young, you have a platform. And what do you do? You invest into other people. I remember when I was in business college, my dad told me, he said, son, I think you'd make a fine young businessman. Um, he said, but I'll tell you something, the greatest investment I've ever made in life is investing into people. You've got so much time, you've got so much money, you've got so much talent, you have very limited resources. Where will you invest it? Invest it in the next generation. This is what was very customary for, I think, Timothy growing up. He had a mom and grandmother that at least taught him this, Deuteronomy 6-7. This was part of the, the, the Jewish household's uh, regime. Deuteronomy 6-7 says this, you shall teach them diligently to your children and, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise it's just like it's a 24-7 kind of thing. Like you're just going to need to model for your kids what it looks like to live and love, love God. Um, one of the gifts that I've got right here for Brett and Amber is uh, the story of the Jesus Storybook Bible. I wanted to hold it to show you parents. Um, this is a really cool storybook Bible that teaches kids all about Jesus and the Bible. And here's the fun thing. I have a lot of dads that they report back to me. They're like, Pastor Ryan, my wife was reading this thing and I was overhearing the stories and I learned so much about the Bible. And I'm like, I know it's so good, isn't it? And then they said, you know what? So I told my wife, hey, I'll do some Bible reading for the kids. 
And then they're learning so much because, I mean, guys, I understand, but guess what? There's pictures in here, okay? <laughs> so, so, so the, and the words are big, okay? So uh, I want to encourage you, though, like, teach your kids, like, grow kids that see you living out your faith. Like, that's the most powerful thing. I can remember with my mom and my dad, like, growing up, I was not the great Christian kid. I was the very bad kid. I was like the prodigal son story. But I had a mom and dad that were committed to the Lord, and I had... Um, I had them demonstrate to me and show me what it looked like to follow the Lord. And my dad would invest time with me. I didn't want faith, but I did want fun. And so what we did together was we hunted together, we fished, we just kept the relationship. But my dad never stopped investing into me. And today, my dad's one of my greatest heroes. And my mom, she modeled for me what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My mom modeled to me that prayer does work. My mom modeled to me that the Bible is very important. I would see her praying and reading the Bible all the time. And I remember thinking to myself, if God is real, my mom knows God. <laughs> my mom is a person who's genuine and sincere uh, later at 18, I came to faith in Jesus Christ, and it radically changed my whole life. And I had a mom and dad that modeled that for me. And they invested in me um, as a young child. I would encourage you, make that investment. Some of you maybe feel like you didn't make enough. It's never too late um, to pick up the phone and, and to try to reconnect. Uh, we need a sincerity of faith. We need a generation of people that are truly living it out. Here's the last point. Number three, how to cultivate a sincere faith. It's to live out your faith with just authenticity. And what this means is that you're just living it out. You're being real. You're just being honest. And um, this is probably easier to follow this example as a woman than it is a man. Um, because as a man, uh, we don't want to admit we're wrong a lot of times. And Living with an authenticity means that you're okay knowing that you don't have everything figured out, that you don't have to pretend. Um, you don't have to be the perfect mom or the perfect dad. You, you just need to be you and make that commitment to progress. And uh, some of you may feel discouraged because you feel like I didn't do good enough as a mom or dad. Being authentic would be like, hey, I'm far from perfect, but I do love you and I do care for you. And I, I'm committing myself to take the next step. I want to encourage you to be that authentic. This also means that you're, it's real to you. If you're asking your kids to pray, if you're wanting to help other people grow in their faith, you better be growing yourself and taking that step yourself. Self, that it's real for you. Here's what James said, James 2.17, so also by faith, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, if it's just talk, but it's not walk, then your faith is dead. You got to live it out. That's what's needed in sincerity of faith. You got to live it out. I want to share with you uh, an awesome testimony of a woman in our church, um, a single mom who has been crushing it in the area of growing in a sincere faith. I'm very proud of her and seeing her grow in a sincerity of faith. 
and uh, so articulate in this testimony you're about to see. And then this really cool next step to see how God raised up a man in our church to serve as a spiritual father. Check this out. So it was literally in my 20s when I got saved. My childhood was amazing. I had some great parents. Um, and I remember thinking I wanted to have a marriage just like that. In my 30s, I actually did get married. Um, and six months into that marriage, things didn't go so well. Um, it first started verbally. Um, and then it went to the dog, and then it went to me. But I really wanted to have the marriage that God had for me. I worked at it, I fought for it, I prayed. We went to counseling. It was a challenge, but we had an amazing year one year. We were doing marriage counseling, and God blessed us with an amazing son. I thought, this is gonna be great, and then after he was born, he reverted back to his old habits. Now it wasn't about making my marriage work, it was about protecting my son. Being a single mom it has moments of, I'm done, I'm just done. I don't have anything left to give. I don't even know who I am. I had fear, but I trusted in God that God is a good father. To fight for what God has for me, I needed to keep moving forward. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that is what I say to myself, that when I feel weak and I can't do this, it's good. He can take over. She is everything to me. She provides everything. And if she didn't provide, I, I really wouldn't be here right now. She is my light in the darkness. I always think my mom's perfect. She's the perfect mom. Even though sometimes she's not perfect, she is perfect, to, in my opinion, to me. I desperately wanted Elijah to have a father figure. I knew what, that, what he needed. So last year I got a call from my good friend and he was attending a men's group at North Valley. And um, he had told me about this program called Fathers in the Field. I know that this, this program had come from a prayer. I just decided to go with it because I knew that Elijah needed this. On that day, April 17th of 2022, I was paired with Elijah. I have been blessed more than I can even count regarding this Fathers in the Field. I mean, God puts people, places, and things in place at the right time. It's not my timing, it's God's timing. What God has called me to do is to serve like Jesus. And that's what I'm doing. It gave me a new perspective of life. It gave me a job, and that job helps me learn things about what to do. And not only did this, uh, this program give me a job, it gave me a mentor father. He teaches me all the stuff he knows and just gave me a missing spot in my life that I never knew that I needed. It has given Elijah more confidence. Um, it has given him a happiness. It builds that faith that I can do what the next hard thing is. Because you know there's going to be more hard things. But as you step through one hardship, through another hardship, through another hardship, guess what? You've got proof that God shows up every time. Fathers in the Field itself, as a whole, is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. 
this, this church has saved my life. I can't express how much I've been blessed. Suffering, pain, hardship, all of those things don't originate from God, but he uses them as tools. I am the perfect mom for Elijah because I went through all these things. That in itself hopefully has taught Elijah that yes, we can do the hard things. We can trust in the Lord in the hard things because the fruit of that is, is going to be, you know, him trusting us with greater things. The rewards of being a mom is amazing. I love that I can pour into him in such a way that can bless others. Like he's an extension of me. Your kids are an extension of you to reach more people for the Lord. Wow, that's good. Two things I want to highlight from the testimony. One is just the grace of God. Like what's contagious in this whole thing is I think Tanya's awareness of God's grace and like what a freeing, healthy space to be. It's like, hey, I am not at all perfect. And then the boy's like, oh, she's perfect to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so freeing. And then he acknowledges, of course, she's not perfect, but she's, she is to me. Um, you're perfect in your imperfection, mom. Uh, you're greatly loved by God. God's grace is good. It is so good over your life. Um, you're blessed. It, uh, you have a special role in this world. And man, lean into that. And then um, additionally, I just want to say, is like, hear the power and the testimony of investing into others. Did you hear that from Todd? Like he's talking about like, man, this has been life changing for me. Um, Men, you, you, you can lean into some area or another where you're investing into people. It could be a family friend that needs an extra encouragement. It could be somebody here at the church. It could be somebody in your neighborhood. I don't know, but be those people for us at this church for the name and fame of Jesus. Like, make that difference. Doesn't matter how old you are, you have a role to play. Like, that is extending God's grace from Lois the grandma to Eunice, the mom, to Timothy, to the Apostle Paul seeing it and saying, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, you continue in that sincerity of faith. You have a huge influence, Timothy. Be strong, be courageous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example and the encouragement of a sincere faith. Thank you, God, that you choose us, that you love us, that you call us up, that you make a difference in our life, and we're so grateful. God, I pray for encouragement of the Holy Spirit, help from one another in this. And Lord, that we would respond with action in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.